You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Uh, We are going to jump right into the uh, task at hand. We've been in a series called, Is This the end. And it's really based on the heart saying, man, this season has been uh, ups and downs for everyone uh, in COVID season, uh, shutting the church down to now being reopened, still those online, of course, and lots and lots of things going on. Uh, Maybe you've asked the question, is this the end or are we in the end times? And we're three messages down. We have two to go, including today. So next week we'll uh, we'll finish up our series, Is This the End? And then we're going to move into missions season which mission season for us, for those of you that are newer, uh, it's a highlight of the year. We put a lot of energy, a lot of uh, extras into our missions convention, and uh, we believe at the Gateway Church that missions has been and always will be the key to our future. And so we're passionate about that, and so we'll be moving into that uh, as we head in towards uh, the middle and end of October. But we started this series, Is This the End?, studying the book of Mark, Mark chapter 13. And we took the first 13 verses in that first week, and it was really a look from when Jesus was walking the earth all the way to the present day, right till today. And we said in those first 13 verses that there will be wars, rumors of wars, there will be famine... There will be deception and distress and destruction, and we talked about some of those things. There will be birth pains, and there will be also, which is on a positive, there will be massive amounts of people that will come to know Jesus in the last days, which is exciting. So yeah, there's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some good things as well. And then we took a break from Mark chapter 13, and between 13, verse 13 and verse 14, in the white space, there is an event that Scripture talks about that Mark does not address, and that event is the rapture, the rapture of the saints. And we said that the rapture was a global church-wide event. It was the gathering of the saints, both dead and alive. So those that are in the grave will be resurrected. Those that are alive will be caught up with Jesus, the rapture. Some people call it the blessed hope. And uh, in fact, in the Assemblies of God, uh, in our doctrinal uh, statements, we call it the blessed hope there. But it's this idea of catching away, being snatched up, And when or how will it happen? It will happen in the twinkling of an eye. Faster than you can blink your eyes, the saints will be raised. uh, Those that are living will be taken to be with the Lord. And we said that first week that nothing is holding back the, the reality that Jesus could return at any point. Now, for some, they say, man, that sounds scary. And it's not scary. It's really hopeful, saying, boy, for those that know Jesus, there's nothing to fear that God, He's on the throne and He's coming. He will come and take those that believe in Him to be with Him. Then the next week, we talked about the abomination of desolation. 
So the third week, and you say, well, what's that? Well, let's look at it. Verse 14, it says, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And we took some time looking around this idea to discover uh, and to support the idea that what was being described there is the Antichrist. There will always be an Antichrist in the wings ready to go because no one knows the day or the hour. Satan doesn't know it. Even Jesus doesn't know when the Lord will come back for his church and rapture uh, his people. But the Antichrist will emerge. And you say, well, what's the study about the Antichrist? We talked about this two weeks ago, that there... There are only four times in Scripture that the word Antichrist is used, but there are other descriptions of the Antichrist. And you put those together, it's, it's uh, quite a massive uh, topic. Sometimes he's called the beast. Other times, in, like in Daniel, he's called the king. Sometimes uh, it, he'll be called the man of lawlessness in the New Testament. And the Antichrist will be a person who will initially stop wars absolve religious tensions, and relax borders, and really there will be a global, worldwide economic prosperity. And, and so it will be a good time for a time. And then, but ultimately, the Antichrist will, as we discussed, will be used by Satan to bring about Satan's plan during the tribulation. Let me just pause here for a moment as we've been talking about the Antichrist. We've talked about the abomination of desolation. We talk about the rapture of the church and even um, the, the, what's coming before that, before the, the, uh, the end times, before Jesus would return or uh, come for his saints. Um, these are new topics for me to have been studied. I've never really taken a deep dive on any of these things. And a couple weeks ago, I was talking with my wife. I said, Jessica, you know, have you been learning so much? And, and I, I've been, you know, just, I was looking for a word of encouragement. And she said, well, she said, really, I read those books back in the day, uh, you know, the end time books. Uh, what were those called? The Left Behind books. She says, you haven't taught me anything new. I said, are you kidding me? And then we didn't talk to each other for at least 30 seconds, and then we made up. But uh, I was like, come on, are you kidding me? I'm like pouring my heart out in study. These are new topics for me. But, uh, but anyway, and I say that because today we're heading into some weighty territory again to talk about the tribulation and then the second coming of Christ. And I want to just remind you that these topics are ginormous, and you could spend you know, weeks or months on them. Today we're going to do an overview on that. But let's go ahead, because of the sake of those that are new and those that may have just be joining us online, let's do a little review. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus is walking out of the temple with his disciples. It's the week of, it's called the Passion Week, where at the, by the end of the week, Jesus is going to be nailed to the cross. It's his final hours on earth before his crucifixion. They're leaving the temple. The disciples are commenting how beautiful the temple is, and Jesus says, well, there's going to be a day 
where not one of these stones will be remained. And they'll be just toppled over, complete destruction of the temple. And the disciples, a little later, they're saying, man, in verse 3 of a, a parallel passage, Matthew chapter 24, it said, they asked the question, tell us, when will these things happen? When will the temple be destroyed? And we talked about when that'll happen. And then there's two other questions. And what will the sign of your coming be? So they understood that Jesus was going to come again. And then what's the end of the age? Or what will it look like at the end of the age? When will these things happen? After the rapture of the saints, let's pick it up in Mark, Mark chapter 13. Look at verse 14. We'll start there. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he not ought to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is at the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. And so and now we pick up some new material here. Uh, let's, let's continue. Verse 19. Then it says, for, though, for in those days, so after the, the rapture, right, uh, after this happens, it says, there will be such tribulation as not has, or as, excuse me, as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. You say, what's happening here, Pastor? What, what is being described? And I believe what's being described here is the tribulation. I talked about the tribulation just briefly last time, that it would be a period of time of calamity, unparalleled demonic activity. The world, the earth will be shaken. Everything will be turned upside down. It will be a time so destructive that it's hard to even get our minds around what it would look like. And I took a deep dive, for me at least, this last week, and I realized that there will be seven uh, years of, of judgment. And you say, well, how do you know this? And uh, what will this be like? Well, Mark does not take the, the time to describe this, but there are other places in Scripture that do describe things that will happen in the tribulation. In fact, it's described that there will be three sets of seven judgments poured out on the earth. Three phases, and the timing may overlap. Sometimes some commentators use a, a, a line graph, and they have the, the, the different things, and they say they overlap. Other people look at the timing of these things in a circular fashion. It doesn't really, we just know that they will happen. Some will overlap for sure. These things are found in Revelation, and I'd like to point our attention in this way. In fact, we're using Mark as the catalyst, and for those of you that are using your Mark book, this is a great place to write out some of these verses. You can go and study them on your own time. But we're going to take a, a, a big picture look, and we're going to start in Revelation chapter 6. Because the first of the three judgments are called the seven seal judgments. You can almost imagine like a, uh, an old scroll rolled up, 
in a wax seal kind of embossed on there. And so you know that when you receive it, it has not been tampered with. You can open it up and that it had a seal on it. It's that sort of thing that these are judgments that were sealed up, but now they're going to be open. And it started, we talked about it two weeks ago, with the emergence of the Antichrist, the verse, first two verses of Revelation chapter 6. And we're not going to take the time to look there. And, but then it describes a series of other events. Uh, it describes a red horse uh, emerging, representing war, kind of the color of blood. And then a black horse emerging, re representing massive worldwide famine. And then a pale horse uh, comes on the scene, representing death by disease, resulting, and this is hard to imagine, one-fourth of the world's population will be taken out by this disease in, in, in a very short period of time. This is not good. And then in the middle of the tribulation, another seal is open where it describes those that give their hearts to Jesus during the tribulation, they will be martyred. They'll, they'll have to give their lives. Otherwise, they'll have to take the mark of the beast, so on and so forth. And if that's not enough, there will be massive earthquakes, larger than any earthquake we've ever experienced. The sun will darken or turn black. The, the moon will turn blood red. The, in the sky, the sky, the stars will be falling to the earth. And it says that every mountain in every island will be removed from its place. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand what that means exactly. There are some commentators, some pastors that will spend a lot of time, and I've read a lot of different theories about how these could happen and, and justify those things. We're not going to take the time to do that. All I know, it doesn't sound good. It's going to be bad. In fact, I would say it's really bad. So bad that in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, it's not on the notes, but you can write it down. Revelation 8, 1, when the seventh seal is open, it says that there's a silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Again, what is this saying? My impression is that it's so bad what's happening upon the earth that heaven is shocked, stunned. Heaven is in awe. They're overwhelmed by what has happened with these first seven seals. And you say, well, man, that sounds really bad. That sounds like that's enough, but that's only the first of the three sets of seven judgments. Let's look at the second set of seven. They're called the seven trumpet judgments. These are found in Revelation chapter 8 through 11. And again, we're not going to take the time to read all of these verses. It would be, take way too long. But I want to give you a picture of the things that are described. Apparently, there will be seven angels standing before God, and they will sound a trumpet blow, sounds of judgment. There will be global storms, not isolated. And I was telling first service that, that you know, we often will, especially in West Michigan, we'll hear about, uh, you know, hurricanes or, or different uh, uh, disasters uh, um, weather-wise. You know, and my parents, bless their hearts, they live in South Florida. We love to visit them, but not during hurricane season. I actually got trapped there once, and it was not very much fun, but... But, you know, we'll, there'll be like, uh, you know, 
hurricanes and, and different things in South Florida. And in Michigan, it's like beautiful and sunny, right? But what is described in Scripture is that it will be massive worldwide global storms. There will be earthquakes. And you know that when there are earthquakes that are more global, there will be tsunamis, there will be destruction. And then it goes on with these trumpet judgments that talk about hail and fire mixed with blood. What does that mean? I don't know. But it sounds bad. And it describes that worldwide because of the hail, because of the fire falling from heaven, that it will kill one-third of the earth's vegetation. That will cause a global uh, panic for food. And then some sort of mountain will be thrown into the sea, Scripture says. Uh, it could be a meteor or asteroid. Uh, people will speculate. I don't know. But it will turn the whole water system into blood killing one-third of the earth's fish that are in the water, and one-third of the ships that are on the seas will be destroyed, according to Scripture. And then next, the disease will strike the world's non-salt water, lakes, streams, rivers. It's interesting. Uh, it talks about the, the term wormwood. Some of you are, that's a kind of an a, a end-time word. It means poison or bitterness. It will be found in the water. And then a disturbance in the atmosphere. What will that be? We don't know, it, but it will result in the blackening out of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And I'm not, again, this is very interesting to me. How many remember just a few weeks ago the fires in California, right? That the residue, the, the, uh, the debris or the, the ash and the smoke actually caused the sun to be hazy. How many noticed that a few weeks back? And how many of you said, this is spooky, right? This is weird, right? Jessica and I, we went out to see a sunset, and uh, it actually ended up not being a great sunset, but you could look at the sun. It was going down. It was crazy, like how that happens. Maybe it's a dust storm. We don't know, but it's described as uh, a disturbance in the atmosphere. Then apparently, the fifth trumpet seal, so that's just the first four, releases Satan, and he has free reign over the earth. He's freed to the earth. And Satan will take the keys to the abyss, which is described as a prison for demons who have turned bad. They will all be released on the earth. Unprecedented uh, uh, demonic activity. They will torture humans. And it's described here in Revelation that humans will be tortured but will not die. So there will be a period of time when no one will pass away but just be tortured. And, I mean, it sounds bad. And then ultimately, with the last seal, a third of all mankind will be wiped out. And then there will be another global storm. These things are bad. This is tribulation. And I, but I want to pause here for a moment. See, the world is headed, no doubt, towards judgment. The earth is headed towards judgment. Jesus warns us of these things. And I just want to speak to those of you that are online or maybe that are here or even in the overflow that say, well, I'm not so sure about the end times or I'm not so sure about Jesus, uh, I'll just take my chances. Listen, 
you do not want to be here when the tribulation happens. You want to be raptured or to know Jesus before you pass away. Let me be clear. And I know it's a family service, and I get that there are kids here, there are kids in the overflow, there are kids watching online with your families. And Pastor Rachel, she was really, we were wrestling, like, well, how much do I share? What do I do here? And uh, she said, you know, the, each week, I don't know if you guys know this, but Pastor Rachel makes these sheets for the kids, and, and they give them little things. And uh, Xander gave me a little heart before service. Thanks, buddy. And uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, and she's like, what do we do with tribulation? How do I, you know, what are the kids going to do? And I said, you know what, let's think about this. Let's pray about this a little bit. And really, my heart was turned towards love. You see the heart here and the idea that it's God's love that he is sharing these things in advance for us to know. I mean, we know the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? The idea here is that he's preparing us for what's to come so we can avoid it. He loves us enough. God loves, God's love wants every person to make it. And yes, God's heart is also to judge. Judgment is coming. He has to judge, and we'll talk about that towards the end. But it's all motivated by love. And so again, this is not something scary. For those that know Jesus, they will not uh, experience the tribulation. So we've talked about the first two sets of seven. There's one more set, and the last set is called the bowl judgment, B-O-W-L. In seven bowls of God's wrath, kind of divine judgment, it didn't, as you get your mind around these bowl judgments in Revelation chapter 16, it really describes a global pandemic. And I know that we're in a global pandemic, but it will be accelerated and far worse than what we could ever imagine. It also, in the seven bold judgments, describes that there will be this effect in the ocean and the rivers and streams and lakes. The earth will turn hot. We, I don't know if that's global warming, but it, the idea is that the sun will be burning hotter. And there will be judgment poured out on people. And what's interesting is their hearts will be hardened. We understand that these, these judgments overlap, and so demons will be released. Satan will be roaming the earth, deceiving people. And it says in this set of judgments, the bold judgment, that there will be judgment on people, but their hearts will be hardened. They will not repent. People will be duped even in that moment. And then it says that there will be a gathering of demonic spirits in the valley of Armageddon. A massive battle will ensue. And finally, the last bold judgment, another global storm. And just to give you a picture of what this storm might be like, I just picked a couple verses. There are lots that I could have. But Revelation chapter 16, verse 20 and 21, it says, And every island fled away. So think of your favorite island, the Bahama Islands, Hawaii, Mackinac Island. <laughs> will be gone. And it says, and no mountains were there to be found. So you, what's your favorite mountainscape, right? The Appalachian Mountains, gone. The Grand Canyon, 
uh, those, the Rocky Mountains, gone. Everest, gone. And it says, and great hailstone. How many have ever been caught in a hailstorm? Uh, yeah, most of us probably have at some. But, you know, I, the biggest hail I've ever seen is about the size of a, uh, maybe a jawbreaker or something. You know, maybe, uh, or like a bouncy ball. I saw it was just a little under an inch. And that hurt real bad. It, like, damaged a bunch of stuff. Our entire um, uh, neighborhood got new roofs. Uh, everybody, this is back in Dayton, Ohio, like everybody, everyone's roof in the, like just like a couple streets worth, hail hit so hard and it was about an inch, inch thick, but you could go out and pick it up and uh, Rocky, you'd probably do that and go out and get it right while, you know, get hit in the head, but, uh, but you could pick those up and they weigh almost nothing, right? I mean, it's just a little piece of ice, but look, it says great hailstone about 100 pounds each. This is horrific. Fell from heaven on people. So it's hitting people. And the people cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. So these things are so severe, so destructive, it's crazy. You're saying, what is happening to the earth? I mean, the, there's fire and hail and there's all this, you know, global storms. What is happening is, uh, according to Scripture, is God is reconfiguring the earth. And it all leads to the moment when Jesus returns to the earth. And that's where we get back to Mark chapter 13. Turn back with me there. So there were three sets of seven judgments, the the tribulation, right? It says, for in those days, verse 19, there will be such tribulation as has not been seen from the creation of the world. And it was so bad, right, that that. Jesus, uh, they cut the time short, otherwise no one would have survived. And I mean, this is a, a, a horrific time, tribulation. And then it says in verse 21, it says, And then, uh, then if anyone says to you, look, here is a Christ, or look there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders and lead people astray. This is uh, describing the Antichrist and other demons, and there will be supernatural things happening, but it's all false. They're trying to take the elect, trying to trick people. And Jesus says, be on guard. I have told you these things beforehand. What I put in my notes here is that is God's love for us. He's told us these things so that we can know. But then it goes on, verse 24, and it describes what we describe as the second coming of Christ. It says, but in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will, get, will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Amen. And then... He will send out the angels to gather the elect from the four winds, from the, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. In other words, those that had given their hearts to Jesus after the rapture, those that were martyred or those that were still living, hiding in a cave somewhere, I don't know, uh, they will be resurrected, kind of snatched up just like the original rapture. And uh, it's, it's kind of fun to think that there are two resurrections of the saints. What is this describing, though? It's describing the second coming of Christ. 
And for those who knew Jesus best, they understood that he was coming again. When you look at the Old Testament, there were 300 prophetic words about Jesus uh, coming. It was, called, it was usually described as the coming of the Lord. The Israelites, they were looking forward to the coming of the Lord. Well, a hundred of those prophetic words were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus. He came as a baby, and he came and he died for our sins. That means around 200 prophetic words are still need to be fulfilled, and they'll be, they will be in the second coming of Christ. Now, Jesus could have clarified in verse 26 when he said this. He said, and then the Son of Man will be coming on the clouds with great power and glory. He could have clarified saying, no, uh, you know, I've, I'm already here. I'm not coming again, but this is just you know, symbolism. The disciples could have asked a question saying, hey, you're already here. What do you mean? But they didn't. They understood the day of the Lord. The understanding is that Jesus will return just like he he ascended into heaven, right? And uh, that's in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 and 11. So just like he left the earth, he's going to come in the clouds. And he will return, the Bible says right there, with great power and with great authority. In fact, not just great power, all power and all authority. This will be the single greatest moment of all humanity when Jesus comes back to earth. According to Revelation 19 verse 11, it says Jesus will reclaim the earth, which he always has had control of. But it, look what it says in there. It says he saw the heavens open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. So he's coming back to take over the earth. We saw it in Mark chapter 13, verse 27, that Jesus will take with him those who have given their lives for the Lord during the tribulation. And Jesus, this time, he's not going to make peace. He is going to make war in the heavenlies. He is the warrior king. In fact, it's described in Revelation 19, verses 12 through 16. Listen to some of these verses. It says, uh, his eyes are like flame uh, of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood. This is talking about Jesus, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth come a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, and say it with me, King of kings and Lord of lords. At this moment, according to Scripture, in Revelation chapter 20, Jesus will reign and rule now for a thousand years. We'll talk about that briefly next week. And not only that, he will establish a new heaven, a new earth, and then we'll be ushered into eternity forever and ever according to Scripture. This is what's going to happen. 
ultimately, God wins. Ultimately, we win. I've often, you know, taught in our doctrine class, uh, in our uh, membership class, we talk about the, the doctrine of the church, and, and part of our doctrine is the blessed hope and the millennial reign of Christ and the, you know, the ultimately the, the heaven, new heavens and new earth. Again, I haven't really studied it to the degree I am now, but, uh, but I've always said, uh, we win. We win. And I love the fact that Rachel and I, Pastor Rachel and I, as we talked this week, the idea is that Jesus gives just enough for us to make good decisions, to trust Him, because Jesus is a God of love. Jesus gives us His word that He is going to return. And yes, He is a just God. He, he cannot be God if He does not judge just like a good parent, uh, and lots of parents here in, in this service, if you're a parent or ever have been, you understand as a parent that we have a responsibility to train our kids, and when they disobey, there needs to be some judgment, right? Well, of course, we do that in love. And so you multiply that on a massive scale, and, and God, He's a God of love, but He's also the judge, but the thing that I want to make crystal clear today is that you do not want to be here for the tribulation. I would plead with you, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, to find Jesus, to be saved, to know Jesus, to know Him personally, to accept Him. See, Scripture, to me, brings hope. It, it gives us hope. We've been asking the question, is this the end, right? And yes, I believe that we're in the end times, and I believe that Jesus is coming soon, that the rapture will happen, and the Antichrist will emerge, and the tribulation will happen, and ultimately, the second coming of Christ, Jesus will come back to reign and rule on the earth for a thousand years. To me, all of that says that we win, that there's hope for for those that follow and trust, put their hope in Jesus. And I'm curious, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, what are you waiting for? Are you ready when Jesus returns to take His saints? Because you can avoid the tribulation. You do not have to suffer. Will you be raptured? Do you know Jesus? And to me, it's God's love that allows you to listen, to be online, to be in the overflow, to be here. It's God's love that makes a way for you to know that you do not have to go through the tribulation. But you have to be ready. And if you're here today, and Pastor Bobby, you could come at this point, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, or maybe you've been riding the fence and just kind of playing, uh, playing the game, just, you know, you know not, not serious with the Lord. Today is your day to surrender, to get your heart right with Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a salvation prayer. And this can be your prayer. 
In fact, I would encourage you that if you don't know the Lord, this, is, this should be your prayer. But it's not the words of this prayer that save you. It's really the, you believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's how you're saved. And I understand to some degree the tribulation can be scary, but listen, God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son for you. And all you got to do is, is put your hope in him, put your faith in him, trust in him. And if you're ready to do that, would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry for the sin in my life. And right now I confess my sin to you. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would do a great and mighty work in my life. Clean up my heart. Set me on a rock. Save me, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you've just prayed that prayer with me, if you're saying, man, I, I, I'm with you, Pastor. We would love to walk with you. There are some tools that we have, some resources at the Connection Center. If you're online, we have some tools for you online through our resource tab that we could direct you towards. But we want you to make yourself known. You should tell someone today, before, before 1 o'clock today, you should tell somebody that you made a decision to follow Christ that you prayed the sinner's prayer, and that Jesus is now Lord of your life. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Awesome. God's love is so great. It's so great that in Mark chapter 13 alone, that's the chapter that we're really focusing on for this series, eight different times Jesus says, to be alert, to be awake, to be watching, to stay ready, to be, he's warning, saying, be on guard, stay away. Eight different times is his love for you. And then in the very next chapter, chapter 14, Jesus, there's a plot to kill Jesus that kind of ensues. It's that just those final days of Jesus uh, before he ends up on the cross. He's anointed at Bethany, and then Judas betrays him, and uh, that's at the Passover, the last Passover uh, meal with his disciples. And then we come to the Lord's Supper, where Jesus, after Judas uh, leaves, uh, we come to the Lord's Supper. And today, we're going to take some time to be at the table of the Lord. I want to just encourage you, everyone should have got a communion uh, element and take the time. You can uh, crackle it up right now. Uh, open this up. It, it takes a little bit of work to, to be ready. Uh, there's the bread and then the juice, two different uh, containers there, or two different uh, seals, I should say. So prepare yourself for that. When we come to Mark chapter 14, this is Jesus. He's with his disciples at this last moment, the last few things that he's saying. And he says in verse 22, he said, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after blessing it, he broke it 
and he gave it to them. And he said, take, this is my body. The disciples did not understand this fully. We understand it a little more fully because we were outside of that, that time. But the body of Christ that was to be sacrificed just a few days later, or even a day later, Jesus was saying, remember the sacrifice. And then he goes on, he says, in taking the cup, and he said, when he gave thanks, he gave it to them, and said, they drank it. He said to them, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say, listen to this, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink in drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so what we talk about with communion as we hold these emblems is that we, we this is an important time for the church. There are actually three different looks or three different views that we talk about with communion. The first is we look back at the what Jesus did on the cross and his sacrifice, his body broken, his blood shed. The second look is we look inside and we say, how are we doing really? How am I doing? How are you doing today? And if there's anything that's holding you back from experiencing everything God has, you need to confess those things. You need to get your life right. You don't want to take communion in an unworthy manner. And then the third view, or the third look, is looking forward to His coming that we just talked about. The second coming of Jesus, where He will be with us. He will come and will reign and rule with Him on the earth once again. And so with all that, and we hold these emblems, we feel connected to the sacrifice of Jesus. We feel connected to the future of the church, the global church. And we say these things, we, we, I mean, it's an amazing moment. So without further ado, let, would we just hold up the emblem, the bread representing the body of Christ? Would you just in your own words thank the Lord for the body of Christ that was beaten and bruised, tortured, just ripped open? Oh God, we thank you for that sacrifice that you made. Hallelujah. Let's partake of the bread together, the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And now as we hold the representation of the blood, this little juice packet, but Lord, let's just tell the Lord how much we're grateful for his blood, the blood of Jesus. It washes away our sins. The blood of Jesus makes us whole. The blood of Jesus can heal us. And if you have a need today, uh, just you can stand on the word of God that even in a moment like this, a communion, God can touch you, heal your body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Let's just thank him the front to the back, in the overflow. We just thank you, Lord, for your blood, for what it means to us. It washes our sin, makes us whole again. Thank you, Jesus. Let's partake of the blood together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And as you stand, you can uh, pass the remnants to the aisle and the ushers will collect those here and uh, as we stand 
we want to, I've asked Pastor Bobby to lead us in one final song. This song is called New Wine, and it's talking about God doing a new thing in us. And I believe in this season of fasting and praying, it's opening up opportunity for us to, to uh, be used by God. I love the part of the song that says, make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. And this is a new thing that God is doing. So let's, without further ado, Pastor Bobby, would you lead us? Final thought before we go. James, I don't know if you can uh, go back to my message notes. I skipped it. Uh, but the reality, when we talk about the end times, when we talk about tribulation, we talk about the second coming, we talk about uh, all these different things, the rapture of the church, the Antichrist, the only reason we would discuss this is because on this side of eternity, the Great Commission is in effect. We have a responsibility to use our voice, to use our lives as an example, to make a difference, to reach one more. That's why we exist, as even as a church. And I just want to encourage you with this final question. Who are you going to tell about Jesus this week? Who are you telling about Jesus? going to have a conversation with this week to make his name known. You don't have to worry. The Bible says at the right time, God will give you the words to say. And I believe that we're in a season of great revival, of great coming back to the Lord. In the end times, massive amounts of people will find Jesus. And I believe that we here at the Gateway Church will see our representation of that. God's help, and He's going to use you, and you, and you. Who are you telling about Jesus this week? Father, I pray that as we prepare to leave today, I pray that we would have a heart after you. Lord, that you would be uh, ever so encouraging us to reach out make your name known. Lord, I pray that you would do a great work in all of our hearts and help us to be effective this week. In order to do that, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's go ahead and take the opportunity to put our masks back on and we will be dismissed from the back to the front. Just be patient with us. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. We love you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.